0: Hi, this is John Stongi, and I just finished recording a webinar for church leaders on the topic, Finding Motivation When You're Feeling Stuck. This was a training event that I did in conjunction with Servant Keeper Software, and the event included pastors and other church leaders from around the country. Now, knowing that many of you who listen to this podcast are involved in leading and serving in local churches, I thought you might also enjoy hearing the content of the webinar, and I truly hope you'll find it helpful. Also, if you get a free minute, please do two things. Stop by my website, desirejesus.com, because you'll be able to grab a free copy of my book, The Mind of Christ. We recently made that book free, and you can download it right now at desirejesus.com. So be sure to do that. And after you do that, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating or review for this podcast on the Apple Podcasts app, I'd be extremely grateful for your help. That's what they look for, before they start promoting shows and telling people about listening to different podcasts or recommending podcasts to different people. So if you could leave a rating or review for us on Apple Podcasts, I'd be extremely grateful. And again, stop by DesireJesus.com to pick up your copy of The Mind of Christ. All right, here it is, finding motivation when you're feeling stuck.
1: Now, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and welcome... pastor john stongy to the webinar today john is the lead pastor of core creek community church and pa he's an adjunct professor of cairn university and director of the national mission board pastor john holds degrees in bible education and counseling and he is a certified speaker trainer and coach you can learn more about pastor john and his ministry to church leaders by visiting his website, www.desirejesus.com. So it's apparent to us that Pastor John has given himself to serve and strengthen the church, and so we're thrilled to turn it over to him now. Pastor John, welcome.
0: Thanks, Sean. It's great to be with you today, and uh, great to be with all those of you church leaders that are on the call today today. It's uh, it's certainly an interesting season to do ministry. It's an interesting time, I think that that most of us uh, kind of recognize is unique in many respects. And uh, I think that the subject that we're talking about today is a it's a very relevant topic. Um, one of the things that I'm going to be doing along the way today. A lot of times, what we've been doing is we've been taking the bulk of our questions at the end, and we'll we'll still take uh, questions at the end. But as Sean was saying. If you have questions along the way, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be uh, at different points here during our our presentation. I'm going to be pausing just to take a look and see if there are any questions that uh, I need to be addressing in real time about some of the things that I'm going to be bringing up in our our discussion here. So feel free at any point to put a question in uh, the question box there. If I get a chance to to respond to it, I'll do my best to respond to it. I might miss a few here or there, so forgive me if I do. And uh, then at the end, uh, we'll try and address a, a few additional questions along the way. But I, I think this idea of finding motivation when you're feeling stuck is a relevant topic for all of us serving in ministry. Um, I I can tell you, I've been serving in full time pastoral ministry for 23 years now. I can't believe. That it's been 23 years. I feel like in some respects, like I just started, but then when I think about how much has happened in my life over the past couple decades plus, maybe sometimes it does feel like 23 years. I don't know, but... Um, but maybe you've been in the, maybe you're in a similar spot to what I'm in. Maybe you're new in ministry. Maybe you've been serving in ministry even longer than I have. And and uh, I think that this idea of finding motivation when you're feeling stuck, it's really relevant for whatever season of of ministry we may be at. And when you think about the seasons of ministry that we go through, I, I can confess to you that uh, I have gone through seasons of ministry where I've felt extremely motivated where I did not need anyone to uh, really egg me on or anything like that. I just had a high degree of, of motivation and was making a lot of progress and was making a lot of movement and, and uh, following through on a variety of things. I, I've had times where I felt extremely encouraged, where people that, I, people that I was serving, people from our church, people from our community, had given me a lot of good feedback, or I was seeing a lot of fruit from some of our ministry efforts, And the end result was that I just felt extremely encouraged. But then I could think of other seasons in ministry where I felt demotivated and uh, where I felt like maybe I was just kind of going through the motions. I had a friend tell me a few years ago that when he was looking back over the past decade of his ministry, he said, I can identify a a season where I started coasting. And uh, he said when, when he noticed that he was coasting, Uh, And it really came to his attention. He thought, well, I, I really want to do something about this. But he was going through a season where he felt very demotivated. And then one step beyond feeling demotivated is seasons where you just feel very discouraged. And it would not surprise me in the least to discover if some of those on the call today, and I know that we're from all different spots here in the U.S., uh, some of you have felt discouraged, particularly over this past year. This has been a very challenging year to try and navigate the responsibilities of ministry. And uh, I'm, I'll just be transparent with you and confess to you that there are times during uh, the past seven, eight months where things have certainly encouraged me, but I've also experienced things that discouraged me and uh, have had to work through those things. And uh, I, I hope that some of the things that I share today will be helpful for you if you're in a season of ministry like that in particular. Now, let's talk for just a moment about the nature of leadership in the local church because there's some commonalities that we deal with and i think that most of us can identify with some of these things and by the way if you haven't printed up the worksheet yet and it would be helpful for you to take notes along the way you'll see a rough outline of the things that i'm talking about today in that worksheet and you could maybe even jot a few of these things down if they're helpful to you but let's just talk about the nature of leadership you know right off the bat here today Uh, In leadership in the local church, you receive some compliments and a great deal of critique. Now, maybe your, your circumstance is different. Um, I, I think over the course of, of my ministry, I don't know if I've probably received more compliments than critique, but for whatever reason, my ears hear the critique louder. So it feels like you receive more critique than you receive compliments. And uh, But pretty much everything you do feels like somebody's analyzing it. So maybe they'll analyze it and give you a pat on the back, or maybe they'll analyze it and critique you or point out how you could have, yeah, maybe it was good, but you could have done it better. Or, yeah, I see that you're working hard, but here's an opinion about how you can work even harder. And maybe even in the back of your mind, you're like me, where you think to yourself, well, great, thanks for that suggestion. Of course, person who just suggested that, you're going to help me, right? You're going to join me with this, or are you just telling me to do this while you sit back and observe and wait for the next thing I do to critique? It's kind of a, a dilemma, but that can be uh, the nature of leadership in the local church. All right, and now in in many cases, depending on uh, you know just how how things are in your local church, uh, in many cases you may not have sufficient help. You know that was one of the the poll questions that Sean just asked for us just a few moments ago. Uh, in in uh, in a large percentage of churches here in the United States, there is one person on staff, and that is the the pastor. And uh, and so in many of those cases, you know, if there isn't sufficient volunteer help or teams or, or things of that nature, uh, many church leaders feel like they don't have sufficient help. So maybe some of you on the call today are feeling that way. Maybe you feel like you're always on call to the point that it can be a challenge to get away. I'll confess something to you uh, that I'm working on right now. I actually uh, sat down with somebody to try and help me rearrange the way I've been organizing my schedule. And uh, she asked me a a variety of questions about how my time was being spent and then put it all down in a chart and uh, then gave me back the results. And I was shocked to feel or to to see how many calls I was getting throughout the course of the week and how much of my time was spent in unplanned phone calls or communication responses via text or via email. Um, a lot of it was being spent in that more so than it really should have been and part of it is I think I sometimes feel like i 'm always on call, and I also try to get back to people really, really quickly. And um, she was trying to coach me through that and, and tell me, all right, you don't need to always respond immediately. You know, certain things you can schedule. Maybe you can encourage people to set up a time more instead of feeling like you're always on duty. But maybe some of you feel that like you're always on duty and maybe you feel like you're always expected to be just right there, always on call. How about this? You're continually pouring your emotional energy into others to the point you start to feel used up. I know recently I I asked my wife if uh, we could just have a pause on talking about anything that was that we considered bad news at home just because I felt like I was receiving so much by way of heavy news or bad news from so many uh, uh, people connected with our church or people that would just contact the church and request prayer uh, for different things. And I felt like I was on overload because of the emotional energy that I was pouring out. And I felt like, at least at home, I wanted us to take a little bit of a pause from that. And thankfully, my wife's very gracious, and she understood where that was coming from. But I'm just curious. I'm going to take a look here into the questions here. Uh, So so please chime in in the questions, if you don't mind. I'm curious if any of those four things that I just referenced related to the nature of leadership is something that you can identify with. So I'm taking a look in the question box here just to see if anyone uh, on our call today feels like, yeah, you know what, that one in particular is pretty similar. Or maybe you have an experience that that you could chime in and say, um, you know, like this is what it's like where I'm serving or this is what it's like, um, you know, in in like the context of uh that I'm seeing. Um all right, so I'm looking for your your questions here, your comments. What do you think is the nature of leadership in your context similar to what I just referenced there? All of them Donna says. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> yeah, that that's uh all right. So I guess we're 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 hitting the nail on the head then if if this is the nature of what local church Leadership is like. So it's not just me, Donna. Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about this a little bit here. Um, I have experienced, I'm going to be transparent with you guys today. I'm not going to try and pretend like I, I have all of this figured out either, but I'm going to share with you a few things that I've noticed in just observing my life and my ministry. And I'm also going to share with you some things that I utilize that I have found helpful. Um, I have experienced multiple seasons when I was feeling absolutely stuck. Uh, I remember when I was a brand new pastor 23 years ago, I was preaching at my first church and I remember one particular Sunday, and this was after going through a season where the church was dealing with a lot of infighting. Um, You know, I was a new pastor there and I inherited a very divided church and it was very hard to just walk right out of college and into a context like that where I was leading a, a church that was very divided and I was feeling very drained. And I remember running out of anything to say uh, while while I was preaching, I just got to a point where I just thought, I I guess I'm done. You know, I mean, I had my notes in front of me and I, I, I had kind of gone through what I had prepared and, and, uh, you know, truly felt like most weeks I, I would have elaborated on, uh, even what I had prepared, but I just got to a spot where I, I was done. I, and I, I couldn't think of anything else to say. I ran out of words and, uh, you know, I wound down the service and we ended and, Everybody was puzzled why we ended so early, but I, I, was, just, I was just drained. I was exhausted, uh, ran out of things to say. A uh, little few years after that, I was jugging, juggling a camp ministry and my church at the same time, and uh, it was a lot to try and do both of those ministries at the same time. It was something I felt led to do, and my church was supportive of me doing that, but it was a lot to do, and uh, and I remember struggling even to construct a sermon because I didn't feel like I had uh, the energy to do it, and I was I was feeling uh, really stuck at one point, and I thought, all right, I've got I've got to get this figured out because. Um, you know, I want to make sure that I'm investing myself in what I'm, in what I'm preaching to our congregation. And I remember going through a stretch there where it felt like a real struggle uh, to communicate a sermon, to, to really put that together. I remember uh, some time ago, this would be five or six years ago, experiencing several families that I had invested in. They left our church at the same time while still slinging arrows at me. <laughs> and I remember admitting to my wife, we were leaving for vacation and normally just as a joke we'll say, All right, goodbye, house, as we're pulling away, you know, driving away with the kids in the van, pulling away. And uh I made a snide comment that I didn't even care if the place burned down while we were away because I said, you know, I think at this point it'd just be nice to start over and be somewhere else. So you could tell I was I was um feeling a bit drained because I remember the look on her face when I was like, yeah, I don't even care if it burns down while we're gone. she Her jaw dropped. Uh, she definitely cared if it burned down. And deep down, I cared too. But I was feeling absolutely stuck at that point, And I was feeling uh, highly discouraged. And it really wasn't um, something that I wanted to stay in that spot for a long time. So the Lord was gracious to me and, and helped me bounce out of that. But Uh, I just wanted to share a few of those things, because those are some seasons that really stick out to me when I think back over the course of the past couple decades plus, and some moments where I was starting to feel stuck. I'm thankful that I haven't felt that way the majority of my ministry, but there have definitely been moments where I thought, all right, at this point, I, I just feel stuck. I need your intervention, Lord, and he's been gracious to me along the way. So, uh, and we'll, we'll answer this here in the comment section in just a second. But have you ever experienced a season when you started to feel demotivated and stuck? And can you pinpoint anything that contributed to it? So I'm going to bring up your questions here and your comments. Um, but have you ever experienced a season when you started to feel demotivated, when you started to feel stuck? And can you pinpoint anything that contributed to it? I Like I, I mentioned um, For me, um, you know, I, I felt demotivated and stuck when some people that I had invested in just, uh, in an unkind way, I felt like they just kind of abandoned what we were doing and, uh, I, that was hurtful. And I'm sure many of you can identify with that. I'm looking at some of your comments from the previous section too. So, you know, these different things that, um, that we've mentioned here, you know, the, it looks like these are relevant for you guys, um, Eric also says he has to be mindful of some of these things, uh, some very similar experiences. But yeah, have, have you ever experienced a season where you just felt stuck? You know, Let us know in the comments there. I'd love to see it. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment here. But if you're typing something, be sure to put that in there. I'd love to see what your experience has been like. Um, so in some contexts, there can be two major contributors to feeling stuck and to losing motivation. And there's more contributors than these, but there can be two major ones. And one is you've grown too used to looking at the same walls. Meaning, you know, so in my context, I have a church office, you have a church office, you know, I, I work in our building, I'm, I'm, you know, doing a variety of things. And sometimes I've realized I, I've gotten too used to looking at the same walls. I need to look at something different. Uh, and then sometimes you have expectations that seem to be going unmet. Those are two things that I think are contributors, you know, uh, along the way. Um, Denise has uh, an interesting comment here for us. Uh, she, you know, was really wrestling with some of these things after the death of the previous pastor parent. So I guess this is, uh, you know, a context of ministry where you've served together with, with family. Okay. Um, Eric says, yes, and being at home and missing the congregants. Oh, Eric, that was torture for me during those months when that was going on, that was torture. And uh, I don't know what things are like in the context all of you are serving in, because I know it's a bit different state to state. We uh, opened our church back up a few months ago for face-to-face worship experience experiences, but we're still seeing a variety of people that are primarily just online. We actually, this past Sunday, uh, there was a family that I haven't seen since March that we finally saw for the first time since March. So it was very edifying to see them. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, losing motivation sometimes it it, it could be very circumstantial, you know, related to some of the things going on. And again, sometimes, you know, there can be a variety of contributors and certainly things over the past group of months that have contributed to that in a unique way. But when we grow too used to looking at the same walls, that can be a contributor. Maybe you felt that way when you were stuck at home. Uh, if you have expectations that seem to be going unmet, you know, things that you thought were going to be looking a certain way that aren't. Um, uh, let's see. Donna tells us here. I've been working in the church in finance for 25 years and the pandemic has brought on uncertainty that I have never experienced. I never thought my job and those of my staff would be in jeopardy. Uh, yeah, Donna, isn't that I mean, yeah, we started this year thinking one thing and then now we're segueing throughout the course of the year into uh, just a a whole different reality and here you know you 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 find yourself in a rhythm doing something for a long period of time and uh, then before you know it uh, that rhythm gets interrupted here and and um, yeah that's definitely insightful Donna thanks for sharing that but yeah so let let me talk about a couple of these these things that can be contributors to feeling stuck some things that can uh, really contribute to us losing motivation in our context um, and, and, I'll, and I'll just kind of point out here, when this is the case, it could be extremely helpful to, to step back and to take a look at the big picture and to truly contemplate the greater work that Christ is in the midst of doing. So I want to read for us from Matthew chapter 11. This is the first six verses of Matthew 11, but this is what it says. It says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So it's a very interesting portion of scripture and certainly something that is one of those portions of Matthew's gospel that, that catches my attention and stands out to me. So let's talk about what was happening there. And let's, let's connect this to us at times feeling demotivated or stuck. So at that point, if you, if you remember what's been taking place, you have John the Baptist, he was in prison. And when you're in prison, you have a lot of time to think. You have a lot of time to overthink when you're in prison. And think about his setting. You know, you're typically stuck staring at the same four walls day in and day out day in and day out. That's what his day-to-day experience was like at that point. Now, John's disciples would typically visit him, and they would give him news about what was taking place in the world outside the prison. They would tell him about things that Christ was doing. They would tell him about things that were happening culturally and politically and and all sorts of things. They were his source of news, so they would come, and they they would fill him in on You know, just how how people were walking with the Lord, people that they had been invested in, all sorts of things taking place outside. And so John was hearing about the work of Christ from his own disciples. So John's own disciples were, were passing this information on to him about what Christ was doing, but he seemed to have some questions. So when you look at what John is saying here, John was obviously someone who had great faith, He was someone who loved the Lord. But, you know, you wonder, was he discouraged in that moment? He's still human, right? You know, Was he discouraged? Was he wrestling with doubt? Did he just need some clarification? So John the Baptist had some questions. I also imagine by looking at what John says here that in addition to staring at those same four walls and kind of questioning a few things or just asking for clarification, I think he was dealing with some unmet expectations. And he, he wanted to know if Christ was the one that they were truly waiting for, and I'm guessing that that may be because Christ hadn't yet done everything John hoped he would do. So, you know, John knew prophecy. John knew what the Messiah was going to do. John knew that, that uh, ultimately Christ was going to rule and reign over the nations. But he's wondering, how, why is this not happening yet? Or why is it not happening the way I thought it was going to happen? So can you clarify or just remind me yet again, are you the one we 've been waiting for? It seems like John was dealing with some unmet expectations, and so jesus gave john 's disciples a helpful answer. They come to Jesus and they start asking him these things on behalf of john and Jesus gives john 's disciples a very helpful answer, and he told them to encourage John to contemplate what he was doing and he He gave them very specific examples and We saw that you know in the verses prior prior i 'll bring them up here. He says, uh, "Go and tell John." what you hear and see the blind receive their sight and the lame walk lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me so jesus here in this context he tells them you know encourage john to contemplate what he's been doing and he gives those specific examples so let's do that all right you know if any of us on the call here today or anyone listening to this via the recording, is really wrestling with this, let's contemplate. Let's think about the things that Jesus was inviting John to think about. Um, I believe Jesus does want us to contemplate what he's doing. He wants us to, to think about what he's up to because I think sometimes we get lost in our own head or we get lost staring at at the same four walls or thinking about our own expectations. And so I think it's very helpful for us to just pause and start contemplating what Jesus is actually doing. And in John's context, he could contemplate what was happening then, right? You know, Jesus lists a variety of things. And so John is able to think about these things and, um, and, and really dwell on it and focus on it. But think about the context we're in. It's, you know, about 2,000 years after these events took place. So what can we also contemplate that John hadn't yet seen? There are things that you and I can contemplate about the work of Christ that John hadn't yet seen that we get to see. Well, he had the opportunity to see the earthly life of Christ, but he didn't see the death of Christ, the atoning death of Christ on the cross. John hadn't seen the resurrection. John hadn't seen the ascension of the Lord. John hadn't seen the great growth of the church. But these are things, you know, you and I living 2,000 years later, we can contemplate that. We, we've seen that. You know, we, we're, we're aware of the effects of the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ, the fact that he ascended but promised to come again, and the growth of his church in the meantime while we o- await his return. And I think it's helpful for us to regularly come back to these things so that we don't get stuck in our own head, so that we remember that there's a work going on that's a lot bigger than our day-to-day. And I, I know for me, that's certainly a, a huge help uh, so that I don't get stuck in my own thinking or stuck in my own circumstances to the point where I'm forgetting there's a bigger picture at work here. So we're still waiting for Christ to return and we're still waiting for Christ to establish his rule upon this earth. And I wonder, could this be a reason that we're sometimes struggling with motivation? Does it feel like it's, it's taking Christ too long to do this? Have we stru- have we started to grow weary while we're waiting. You know, right now, I mean, this earth does not look like I wish it looked. My day-to-day does not look like I wish it looked. I I have no doubt that those of you that are on the call with us today can identify with that. So we're waiting for Christ to return. We're waiting for him to establish his rule upon this earth. But again, sometimes I think we wrestle with staying motivated. I think sometimes we wrestle with um, you know, just what we see on a day-to-day basis, because it almost feels like Christ is taking too long to accomplish some of these things. And, and we find ourselves, um, you know, like we, we find ourselves really wrestling with this. We find ourselves struggling with this. Um, Eric, Eric uh, comments here. Excellent answer. So Eric, I'm glad that that, 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 Really is hitting the nail on the head for you there. We're going to have some practical suggestions I'm going to add to this in just a few moments. Um, But I wanted this to be our baseline. Uh, Denise, I also see your comment there. Are we worshiping indoors with our congregation? The answer is yes, we are worshiping indoors, but we also had some outdoor options midweek as well. So we're doing both. but yeah, I mean, so, you know, I just be, be thinking about this from the perspective of what John the Baptist was wrestling with and, and uh, dealing with. And I want to share something with you guys that, that a friend of mine shared with me a little while back. I, I'm going to read it to you here like I have it on the screen, but I'm going to comment on it. So recently, a colleague said to me, don't become jaded. Don't become jaded. That was the comment that was given to me. This was from somebody that's been serving in ministry for a long time in their realm of ministry. And they just said, don't become jaded. And in dealing with difficult things in her area of service, what she noticed was that she had grown somewhat jaded. And she dealt with disappointment. She dealt with unmet expectations. And apparently it it had taken her a while to bounce back from it all. So for whatever reason, she wanted me to have that advice from her. It wasn't even, it it almost felt like out of the blue. Um, And so I'm wondering, you know, for those of us on the call today, have you endured anything along the way that may have made you feel somewhat jaded uh, along the way in your ministry. You know, have you ever um, have you ever really wrestled with that? Uh, maybe you felt jaded toward the church. Uh, maybe you're kind of looking at your responsibilities, things that the the Lord's given you to do, people that the Lord's called you to serve, and maybe sometimes you start to feel jaded. I, I, I'm just curious. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll uh, keep my eyes here on on uh, the questions there, the comments. Um, have any of you ever wrestled with that? You know, Would it have been helpful for you if someone came up to you at some point and said, hey, brother, or hey, sister, don't become jaded. Don't become jaded because maybe you've been going through a season where you're just dealing with so many difficult things that you're noticing your personality change. I saw somebody uh, just recently say that the nature of the job that they are doing, and this wasn't a ministry position Uh, But in the they said the nature of the job that they're doing has had a change on their personality. It's changed their personality. And in some respects, I wonder if they had what they would say is maybe they've become a bit jaded or a bit cynical or, or really are struggling in that regard. So when you look at uh, Matthew chapter 7, or Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 11, the verses coming right after the portion of Scripture that we just read a few moments ago, um, I I have it here in front of me, so I'll just read it. Uh, But it says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. And he said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? And I think it's very interesting when you look at Christ's words and how Christ describes John the Baptist. He shows us in, in Matthew 11 that John the Baptist was not a fickle or flimsy person. But yet, John also wrestled with disappointment. And he wrestled with discouragement. And he may have temporarily felt stuck. He may have needed to to kind of recapture a sense of motivation. And if he wrestled with that, you might too. So I point that out just to kind of uh, you know point out... That um, you're not alone, you know, even when you look at the examples of Scripture, if you've ever struggled with motivation, if you've ever struggled and felt like you're feeling kind of stuck, you are not alone. Now, let's see, uh, Rebecca has some interesting comments here. She says, I don't know if I've become jaded, but I definitely feel so drained. I'm a youth minister. I'm 24 years old. I just graduated from college this past spring. I entered into the community three months ago. This has been my dream from the beginning, but I never dreamed COVID was part of it. And um, wow, like, yeah, this this is fantastic here, uh, Rebecca. And uh, I, Rebecca, I, just as a word of encouragement to you, I, I just want to say this specifically to you, even as I'm looking at the rest of your comments here. Um, one of the hardest seasons of ministry for me was that first year of ministry right out of college because I was so drained from from all the schoolwork and all the responsibilities I had there and then then entering into a new season of life. And you, on top of that, have had to deal with such cultural disruption this past year. Um, I just want to encourage you, don't lose heart in the midst of this. Thank you for being willing to be transparent with what you just said there. But you, don't lose heart you know, I, I have a friend who would always remind me, he he would say things like, uh, he said, hey, just keep in mind, these things are only for a season. It's only for a season. And that's true. You know, we have the scriptures. We see how this all works out. So our, our trials and our difficulties, they are momentary and they don't last forever. They're only for a season. And uh, Rebecca, the things that you're wrestling with, you know, I look at what John the Baptist was wrestling with and I see a lot of similarity there. Um, let's see. Oh, thanks, Rebecca. Yeah, I see your response there. Yeah, for real, don't lose heart, you know, and and thank you so much for your service. Uh, You know, it's so wonderful that the Lord has raised up people like you that uh, truly are valuing others and and helping others out along the way. Um, So practically speaking, I want to segue our discussion here into a few practical thoughts, and I'm going to share things With you that are not just theoretical things. These are things that I do. I don't want to just give you theory and not give you practice. These are things that I've tried that have worked for me, and a few of them are things that have worked for people that I trust their opinion. So I'm going to share some practical things here. But practically speaking, what can we do if this is something that we've been wrestling with? You know, if you've been feeling stuck, if you've you've been really feeling like gaining motivation. Is, uh, is challenging right now. I just want to make a few suggestions, but I'll even say this even before I read these suggestions and discuss them with us. Uh, there are certainly many more things that could be added to this list. So if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling like it's, it's hard to find motivation, I still want you to consider these options, but I want you to understand that these are not this is not an exhaustive list. This is a list of helpful things that, that I hope will encourage you, I hope will be uplifting for you, Um, but I don't want to treat this as if it's the only option that there is. It's certainly a good starting point, though. So some practical options to consider if if you feel like you're losing motivation, if you feel like you've been feeling stuck. First thing I'd encourage you to do is this. Focus on and pray about the greater mission of what Christ is accomplishing. Because if you focus on that and you pray about that, so if you just take some time in prayer before the Lord, and say, Lord, you know, could you just show me what you're doing? Could you help me to have a greater glimpse of what you're accomplishing? Can you remind me of the things you've communicated in Scripture that tell me about what you still have in store? And if you ask him to, to do that, I believe that that's something he will do for you. I think that that's a way that he delights to help his servants, that he delights to help his children. Um, where we focus on and we pray about the greater mission of what he's accomplishing. It helps us, like we mentioned a few moments ago, it helps us get out of our own head and it helps us to start to see things from his perspective. Uh, Number two is this. Stop staring at the same four walls. Interrupt your routine or work on accomplishing your tasks in a new location. That has been immensely helpful for me during seasons when I'm feeling stuck. I've started to realize I have to interrupt my routine. I can't continue to put myself in a spot where I'm I'm just staring at the same four walls. And I'll have to tell you, uh, just very practically, um, the office that we're doing this webinar from here, this is an office in my home. I also have an office at my church. And uh, during the months when we were all locked in, I converted this space and built this space out into a new office in my home, and it was helpful to have that project. It was helpful to have new walls to be able to look at, but I could also tell you at one point when I was feeling particularly stuck, uh, there is a lake that is pretty much just across the street from our church building, and there's an area, there's a parking area along the side of the lake where people, you know, they bring their boats and they they bring different things, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to work over at the lake and i I would take uh, my books, I would take paper, I would take my devices, if I was using devices like a laptop or whatever, and i 'd bring them over to the lake and I would sit in my car and I actually have this thing that attaches to my steering wheel that turns my steering wheel into a desk or and let me confess this too it 's also a food tray if you 're ever uh, doing <laughs> um, you know like if you 're ever eating fast food in um, you know in the the drive uh, or in the parking lot of a fast food place. Um, there's no shame in my game on this one, all right? Sometimes I've done that. But I'll attach that tray to my steering wheel and it makes a great mobile desk or a nice food tray. But when, you know, for the purpose of our discussion here, um, it, it's nice to just interrupt your routine and kind of take your work on the road if you can. And some of us, the nature of our work, we don't have to necessarily do it in one specific place if you're you're doing sermon prep or administrative work or something along those lines that doesn't directly involve people in that particular moment you can sometimes take you, you know your work into a different location a coffee shop a different spot you know if the weather's nice you could just do your work outside instead of inside and i know that that might not seem revolutionary but i have to tell you it is helpful to stop staring at the same four walls and create a little bit of an interruption in your routine if you've been feeling stuck. I have found that immensely helpful, and it's so easy to do, even if you only do it for an hour or, or two hours. You don't even have to do it the whole day. Just creating a little bit of a change sometimes can be helpful. It helps jostle things that feel a little bit uh, like they've, they've become locked in. They need to be loosened up. Um, how about this? I first heard this statement from Michael Hyatt. I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Hyatt. Uh, He used to be um, the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishing. And uh, he he writes and he does podcasting now. But he he says this, motion improves emotion. He was talking about a time when he was feeling very, very jittery and very nervous before giving a speech. And his wife uh, called him and encouraged him when he was talking to her on the phone. She said, Michael, why don't you just go take a walk? Just take a walk because motion improves emotion. And so part of our emotional struggles can actually have a physical component. And those of us who serve in local church ministries, those of us who have uh, you know, responsibilities that cause us to spend a lot of time in offices, Sometimes we're not getting enough physical activity. That's certainly something that I've, I've wrestled with from time to time. I realize I'm getting a lot of mental and emotional and spiritual activity, but I'm not getting a lot of physical activity. And sometimes we just need a little bit of motion to help improve our emotion. And I think that that's a tool that the Lord's given to us that we would be wise to utilize more than I think we often do. And frequently, uh, those of us in church ministry, we're not getting the motion that the Lord has designed us to get. Um, let me just look really quickly at some of the, the comments that, that some of you have shared. Um, let's see, Eric t- shares here. He says, being jaded is indeed a part of it. I've seen a lot of pastors actually pass away over the last 10 months. That's interesting, Eric. Just over the past this this year, in the midst of all we're going through, Uh, Many are older and suffered from COVID-19, plus the added stress of everything going on. It weighs us down. Yeah, I mean, I I imagine, you know, when you're when you're really discouraged, you know, what kind of havoc is that wreaking on our immune systems? Right. And uh, may even in many respects make us more susceptible uh, to physical ailments. Uh, Donna says we purchased some small cafe style tables and put them in and around our courtyard here at church it's been a real morale booster for everyone that that's smart yeah get everybody outside enjoying fresh air donna i don't remember what state you said you were in um but yeah i mean while the weather's nice you know i'm in the northeast here so our weather is really nice this week amazingly but it was really chilly last week and uh, we know that in coming weeks it's going to get a little bit colder for us up here in the northeast but yeah if you could get outside change your scenery do something like that and even just get in motion you know, motion improves emotion. And how about this? You know, in the book of Galatians, it talks about the fact that we're invited to bear one another's burdens. So I put the reference there, Galatians 6.2. Uh, I wonder if some of us are a bit too isolated. So who do you even give the opportunity to help you lift your burdens? Uh, sometimes I find myself not wanting to release my burdens to other people. I'll, I'll bring them to the Lord in prayer, but he also tells us to let other people speak into our lives and, and we're invited to bear one another's burdens. And I think sometimes I get a little too isolated. Maybe you get a little too isolated. Maybe we've all felt a little too isolated over this past year. But who do we give the opportunity to to help lift our burdens? Who is the Lord placed in our lives? That, um, that, you know, for, that we really should have the opportunity or really should give an opportunity to speak into our lives and, and maybe uh, uh, carry some of that burden with us. See, Eric says, can you share this slide as well? Uh, plus, I'd like to share parts of it. You know, what, Eric, I, what I'm going to do at the very end here, actually, I'll just give this to you guys now. Um, if, you, if you email me, my email ad- address is john. At desirejesus.com. So that's John at desirejesus.com. Send me an email and I'll email you the entire, all my slides. I'll just give you all my slides as a PDF. Um, I have them saved as a PDF and I'll send that to you, Eric, right after I'm done presenting them here. But don't forget to email me. Um, And uh, let's see. Donna tells us she's in Texas. Weather's nice right now. <laughs> uh, this you're—it's about to go into a, a beautiful season for Texas, isn't it? Uh, my sister used to live in Texas, and when I would visit her around this time of year, I thought it was—it was just beautiful. Um, but again, we want to make sure we're not isolated. We want to make sure that we're getting into motion. We want to make sure we're not staring at the same four walls. We got to be lifting up. Uh, our prayers to the lord asking him to help us see the bigger mission of what he's accomplishing let me give you a few more suggestions as well and again my email is john at desirejesus.com send me an email at you know whenever and just let me know you want the slides to this particular presentation and i'll just i'll reply with with them as an attachment Uh, not a problem happy to do it Um, all right some other practical considerations some things that i i hope you'll find helpful I find number five on my list here extremely helpful, and that's this. Preach the nourishing message of the gospel to your own heart. So many of us are involved in teaching and preaching, and we're trying to encourage other people with the truth of the gospel. The life, the death, the resurrection, the return of Jesus Christ, the difference that he makes in our day-to-day life right here and now. And sometimes we treat the gospel like it's a message that's only for unbelievers to hear. And that's not true. The message of the gospel is something that nourishes us as believers as well. And we need to be preaching the nourishing message of the gospel to our own hearts so that we're hearing it, so that we're being reminded of it, so that we're being encouraged by it. I actually, I'm going to tell you guys something. I hope it's okay that I plug this. But next year, so May, uh, let's see, May 25th, I have a book coming out about this specific subject, and you'll probably be able to find it wherever. You could even pre-order it if you felt so inclined to do it, but it's called Dwell on These Things. And I felt so motivated by this particular concept that I thought, I'm going to write a book about this, about just preaching the message of the gospel to your heart, reminding yourself, reminding your mind of the very things that God has been saying to you all along the way. And so often I find myself in a spot where I'm preaching that to others, Instead of preaching that to myself, and I think, why don't I do both? I should do both. I should be preaching the message of the gospel to my own heart because I I need to be refreshed by it and I need to hear it and I need to be encouraged to think about the things that the Lord has revealed to me in His Word. Um, uh, Let's see. uh, Let's see. Shemwell. Yes, my email address is john at desirejesus.com. I see your comment there. John at desirejesus.com. Yeah, feel free, send me an email and I'll send these to you. Happy to. Um, all right, number six on the list here hold your expectations up to the light of Scripture. So think back to Matthew 11 for just a second. You have John the Baptist in his context, feeling a bit discouraged about the things that he's wrestling with and, um, and wondering, you know, are you the fulfillment of what the Scriptures have said? Well, I think that's a healthy question to ask. And I think it's the same question we should be asking in our context, too. You know, we want to hold our expectations up to the light of Scripture. Sometimes we think that, you know, we we, we have these expectations uh, that we develop in our mind, and when we compare them to what Scripture actually teaches us, sometimes our own expectations are worldly. So let me give you an example of that. If you think that your life is supposed to be so comfortable and so easy and so perfect, this side of heaven... Well, that's a worldly expectation, because the Lord has not promised you and I that. He promised us, uh, I was teaching last night in Luke chapter 10, you know, he promises us that we're going to be serving as like lambs in the midst of wolves, right? So don't expect to be treated wonderfully in the midst of the culture in which we live in, because that's not what he's promised us we'll experience, you know, So we have to hold our ex- expectations up to the light of Scripture. There will be hard things that you and I deal with this side of heaven, just like Jesus did on this earth. And so uh, I think sometimes we set ourselves up to have unrealistic expectations about what our day-to-day life is going to be like, because we forget what life was like for Christ on this earth. So let me look at a couple of the comments here that some of you have shared before I, I, I elaborate on the last few here. Carla says, I'm one of those people who is too isolated. But I'm not sure how to open myself to others because I find myself being the listener in the midst of of conversation. What do I do? Yeah, I think, Carla, I I don't know that I have a perfect answer for you on that because I do the same thing you do. Sometimes I tend to find myself as the listener, but I can tell you one of the things that I've been doing, particularly since March, uh, when I realized just how isolated this year might might result in me feeling... um, I decided to intentionally join a few groups based on my hobbies. So, for instance, I'm very much into writing, I'm into podcasting, and a variety of things like that. And I actually joined a group of people, this is, this has nothing to do with my church or anything like that, um, and uh, it's people from all over the place that do those sorts of things, and once a week we get on a call and we talk to each other about our, our hobbies in podcasting and writing, and we give each other ideas on how to improve what we're doing, and, and um And uh, yeah, I mean, and and so that's the type of thing uh, that has been helpful to me. So I would say that in your context, you may have to take the risk of being a bit intentional, um, you know, with with some of that to actually seek your people out, you know, the people that will listen to you. And you might have to find them in a new context because it it could be that, at least for now, the people that you interact with in your day-to-day context are so used to you being the listener that you've just trained them over years and years of interaction, that that you're going to listen. Maybe that you need to add a few additional people into your life. And uh, I know that in doing that this past year, that has been immensely helpful to me and very encouraging. And I've, I've developed some some very strong friendships in a short period of time with people who are willing to listen. If you remember earlier in our, our, our podcast here, I mentioned to you somebody that I sat down with, and it was virtually here, so I, it wasn't even in the same context. They're in a different state. Um, but um, I sat down with them to help them. They offered to help me figure out how to better organize my schedule And how to better serve people through time management. And that was somebody that I met through the groups that I've been part of through podcasting and writing is also somebody that I'm helping and encouraging as they're trying to write their first book. And uh, their thought was, hey, let me return the favor. You're trying to help me with this task. Can I help you? They excel. Their business excels at organization skills. And uh, and they just offered as a gift to me to bring me through a process that they bring their clients through. It was so helpful to me. And um, and so that came through a friendship where I said, I'm not going to stay isolated. I'm, I'm going to connect with some additional people in the absence of my day to day, you know, uh, interactions being available to me. Um, all right. Let's look at number seven here. Take a break if you need one and take the breaks off if you don't. So let's pick that apart. Um, if you're feeling stuck and you're losing motivation, it can, it, it can very well be because it's been a long time since you've taken a break. I remember at one point early in my ministry, I wasn't taking vacation time. And then finally, I got to a point where I thought, I really need to do this for the sake of my own health, but also for my wife and for my kids. And uh, we took a vacation and it was so restful and wonderful that I looked at my wife as if I had discovered something new. And I said to her, I said, so this is why people take vacations. And she just laughed at me because she could see how rejuvenated I was. I needed to take a break. So that helped me to get unstuck. And I got some real clarity about some things that I needed to change about how I was uh, handling certain ministry tasks and certainly certain ministry responsibilities, some new team ideas, just a new vision for the work that the Lord had called me to do. It was extremely helpful to take that break. But sometimes we feel stuck because we've had the breaks on for too long. And so if the brakes have been on for too long, maybe it's time for you to kind of kick something into gear and maybe you just need to take the brakes off um, and uh, and get in motion. So it kind of depends on your circumstance, but you want to just practically look at that. How about this number eight here on our, our list? Understand who you are in Christ so that your personal worth doesn't become tied up in the words of your critics or in the short-term outcome of your efforts. So, Ephesians 1 is a lovely portion of Scripture that focuses on that. But when you start to understand who you are in Christ, you start to realize that your sense of worth doesn't have to be defined by what critical people say of you, because you know who you are in Christ, and you know that that's never going to change. Um, and you also don't have to try and tie the you know, your value, your sense of worth, in the short-term outcome of your efforts. So if there's something that you do, that doesn't produce immediate fruit? Do you need to tell yourself that you're, you're a terrible leader, that, you're, that somebody else should be doing your role because you're just no good at it, or, or, or whatever it may be? Sometimes in the short term, we don't get to see the fruit from our efforts. And there's certain things that you and I will do that we may never directly with our own eyes see the fruit, but the Lord knows what he's going to bring of those efforts. And we need to trust him for the result of, of many of these things. Uh, but again, if we remember who we are in Christ, we don't need to mistakenly become tied up in the words of our critics or in the outcome of our, our in, in the short term, the short term outcome of our efforts. And again, Ephesians one gives us a great framework to understand who we are in Christ. And maybe you know we could even just you know as I'm, I'm sharing some of these practical options that I'm wrestling with what else would you add to this list? What has helped you in the past when you feel like you've lost motivation or you feel like you know, you're know you going through a season where you're just feeling stuck? What has helped you? Let me jump back over into the, uh, the discussion panel here. Um, let's see. Shemwell says, how can we find a group like that to join it? So I'll tell you how I found the group that I joined. Um, I was reading the book of an author, uh, who, you know, focuses on some of the things I'm doing, like I said, writing, podcasting, stuff like that. And uh, then I discovered that he had a podcast. and I started listening to the podcast and he mentioned in the podcast that he had organized a group like that. And so I applied to be part of it. It's actually something I pay money to be part of. So I'd like to tell you it was free, but I I pay money to be part of it. But it's been worth every every penny I, I've uh, I've spent on it, and that that's how I found the group that I joined, but I sensed that I needed something like that, and I felt ready to make that kind of investment just in my own, um, just in my, my hobbies, my activities, my writing, um, and just in my own mental health, so that's how I found it. It went, for me, it went from reading a book to listening to that author's podcast to then hearing him reference the fact that he had this group available, and then I applied to join it, and I got accepted um, as far as joining it. And then um, then Carla says in reference to that same thing, I think she's referencing to that. That sounds like something that she can do. It's, it'd be outside of her comfort zone. Yeah, you know, but that's OK. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, motion creating uh, motion, improving emotion. So you're kind of getting yourself in motion to do something that takes you out of your comfort zone. And it helps jostle things in uh, hopefully a, a healthy and uh, a useful way for you Um, i have to tell you that that was a helpful thing for me over the course of this past year so i know we've been talking all along the way here uh, but i also at at the end here like to just kind of open things up uh, just for some discussion so is there something about finding motivation when you're feeling stuck that we did not bring up here that in our remaining moments you would find useful for us to discuss. I don't know if if Sean has some things in his mind that, that maybe he thinks would be helpful for me to address. But while you guys are typing those things out, You know, and just kind of offering your comments or your suggestions, something that's helped you to find motivation when you're feeling stuck or just if you want to react to something that we just shared. Uh, I will point out to you here um, my website, desirejesus.com. I do have a variety of resources on there. I I hope some of them will be useful and helpful to you um, just in in the process of of your service and your ministry. Um, But I'd be curious to hear uh, from Sean also at this point, here um, just about this this idea, you know, like h- how are we finding motivation when we're feeling stuck? Those are some of the, the suggestions that I have. And, um, you know, if you guys have any additional ones or any, any thoughts that we didn't cover yet or even a question about that, just, uh, just jot that in the question section here. We'll be sure to get to it here in just a second.
1: Yeah, I would, I would say just sometimes building new relationships in relation to some of the things that, that would relate to some of what you've said. But just building some new relationships can, um, you know, give you new av- avenues of personal encouragement. But also being able to encourage others, which actually encourages our heart when we encourage others too. So right
0: you know, when you're giving, are good. Yeah. yeah, you're when you you get out of your own mind and you're giving to somebody else. Sean, what you just said reminded me of something too. Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm assuming that some of the people on the call today have been doing live streaming. And, uh, we've been live streaming our worship services and, and things like that. And, uh, when you just said about building new relationships, like when you're feeling stuck, when you're struggling to find motivation, um, one of the relationships that was recently built through our live streaming, it's an old relationship that got rekindled. Um, I have, a, an uncle that is kind of, you know, not somebody I've had a whole lot of involvement with in, in recent years. Um, not really since I was a kid, to be honest with you. And, um, and he utilizes our live stream every week <laughs> and has been messaging me every week saying, hey, I, I really appreciate you know the live stream from your church. And, and uh, so we've been talking about that and he shares some feedback on it. And I, I find myself now I have a weekly conversation with an uncle that I hadn't talked to in a very long time. And um, that's definitely, like you said, the whole relationship thing. Um, yeah, kindling those relationships can definitely be something that helps feed um you know, like the the getting motivated, getting unstuck if we 've been feeling stuck, so i don 't know if there 's any other comments or questions anyone else wants to chime in on uh, related to this, but now it 'd be a good time to do it if you have anything you want to add to uh, our discussion here. Um, Carla tells us here she says, I really needed this because this is a different arena for me. sometimes we forget to really put into practice what we learn and utilize with others that can help us personally. Yeah, Carl, I, I appreciate you, you sharing that. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes when we find ourselves in that spot where we're feeling stuck, I mean, this may, maybe this is the first time some of us on the call today have, have felt that. You know, I've gone through uh, several seasons in my ministry where, I, you know, I definitely felt stuck, where I felt like my motivation level lessened, but it can be primarily upsetting uh when it's the first time you've really gone through that it's it's kind of you know to use a writing analogy like we were just talking about writing a moment ago um it's like writer's block for church leaders where you're just saying I can't I can't get past this I I'm just stuck in this moment um you know what does this look like how is this something that you know I can actually I can actually do something with so yeah we we definitely get it carla see a few other comments there as well donna tells us Let's see. Great presentation, thank you, Donna. That's very kind. I hope that it's that's um, helpful for you, and and I hope it's encouraging to you. I certainly appreciate the the feedback as well. Um, and uh, let's see. And this is Denise's husband, Harvey, the pastor. I think it's important to point out that the answer Jesus gave was physical evidence of who He is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he pointed out to uh, to John the Baptist. He's like, look, like here's. Here's exactly what's happened. You know, I mean, you have people that I mean, well, think about what Christ had done up to that point. You have you have the dead being raised. You have uh, those that have physical infirmities being healed. You have people miraculously helped in a variety of ways. And the message of the gospel is being preached to to all these people. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, he he said, like, like, this is exactly what I've been doing, John. And uh, and he tried to encourage John's heart with that truth um eric tells us enjoyed this completely grateful to hear that eric and i appreciate your feedback along the way as we've been opening things up for discussion here today denise tells us so it's great for us to remember we have the evidence of the victory in christ since he is alive yeah that's the, this idea of us contemplating who christ is and what he's done we already know how this story ends and so it's helpful for us to kind of think beyond the moment that we're in and to focus on um on uh, who Jesus is and what he's doing. Uh, it's, let's see, Shemwell says, for, for me, I stop everything. and I take a walk to think on everything that God has done for me, for where I'm going. Uh, that I will glorify God in my relationship with Him, and this always brings clarity to my thoughts. So that's the whole motion improving emotion. But you're also taking the the time to actually focus on Christ. You're getting out there. You're 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 getting your body in motion, so you don't stay isolated. You're 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 you know uh, giving yourself an opportunity to hear from the Lord. Uh, Shemwell also share a testimony that my friend shared with me yesterday. Um, he has been trying to take more prayer walks recently in his community. So he just goes through his community. He's a pastor uh, here in Pennsylvania, and he's been going through his community and just trying to pray for the community uh, as often as he can. And he actually had the opportunity in that process uh, to strike up conversation with somebody that he met along the way. And uh, as they were discussing things, uh, the person expressed more curiosity about who he was, what he was doing, and what his motivations were. And, and their conversation transitioned to speaking about the gospel. And my friend actually just the other day had the opportunity to lead someone to faith in Christ during one of those walks. And so I thought that that was uh, just a wonderful thing to, uh, to hear as a testimony. So sometimes you don't know who you're going to meet. You might take that walk thinking that it's for you, and the Lord might say, "No, that's actually for somebody else." And I'm going to put you in someone's path. And um, and uh, Shemwell, I see your other comment. Thank you for the word of encouragement. Shemwell says it's a, this is a great presentation. It's it's a great help. We should do this more often. Absolutely, uh, wonderful to have the feedback. Well, I'm grateful that you guys were able to be part of this today. And I, I just want to thank Servant Keeper. They they go out of their way to provide these for church leaders all the time. And and so our church has been blessed by. Uh, the uh, just the ministry that servant keepers been doing, and and how they've been been serving together uh, with the local church and with local church leaders, and so um, I'm just uh, e- extremely grateful to be able to partner together with them to do things like this.
1: I'm Billy Yancey entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat on Life Audio. Happy listening.